Hey, welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope it encourages you and reminds you that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. All right. Good morning. All right. It's almost Christmas. All the overachievers got their shopping done. Hey, now. Come on. Y'all pray for me. Oh, Lord. Time is winding down. It's the same time every year. I don't, I don't you know. Anyhow, <clears throat> a couple things. Before we get going, Romans 13 tells us it's important that we give honor to where honor is due, when honor is due. And Pastor Josh just talked about looking over this past year. And, you know, I'm grateful for our lead pastor. I'm grateful for Pastor Josh and his family. Pastor Josh has invited us as a staff, you know, that there's so much that you see and so much that you don't see, you know. One of the things that he's faithfully invited to us to as a staff is an invitation to health. And what that looks like at time for, for us in ministry, for those that are in vocational ministry, often, quite often, we, we spend a lot of time giving out and we don't spend a lot of time taking in. You know what I'm saying? We, we don't spend a lot of time being able to receive life. And, 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 and one thing that Pastor Josh has encouraged us as a staff, he said, you know, as we're in vocational ministry, the Lord's desire is never to detach us from the life-giving source that flows out of the community so that we would posture ourselves in a way to receive that. And I don't know about what your church background is, but you can go to a lot of churches, and typically if the lead pastor is not preaching, he's just not there. Like, he just don't show up. But I'm so grateful, and I honor Pastor Josh in the way that he leads and the way that he, he shows us and models for us what health looks like, posturing him in, in, a, in a place to receive from the Lord. Amen. That's good. So let, can we just thank God and honor Pastor Josh? And I speak that on behalf of Pastor Josh. I speak it on behalf of the whole staff, on behalf of the eldership. And I speak it on behalf of the congregation. Thank you for what you're modeling for us, for what it means to be a faithful man of God who loves his family well. God's got a word for us. Are you ready for it? All right. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. I'll be reading primarily out of the ESV translation. We're going to go verse 35 through 40. Those of you online, they'll have the the scriptures there, but grab your Bible too. You can underline some good stuff in there. If y'all are ready, can I get a good amen? amen? All right. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I said to you, you... I have uh, said that to you, have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. Here's the good part. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Hallelujah. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. This is the will of God, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me. But raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that, who, uh, that everyone who looks on the Son, everyone that looks on Jesus and believes in him, should have what? Eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Let's bow our heads one more time and pray. Father, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would give us an appropriate perspective on what it means to have eternal life. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. As you're seated, give somebody a high five next to you and say, I'm alive. I'm alive. Hallelujah. 
Last week, uh, I had the privilege to share. You know, we, we had started our series a couple weeks ago with Pastor Angie preaching on hope, talking about the significance of hope. And I piggybacked on, piggybacked on that last week, recognizing hope as a motivation, a gift we've been given through Jesus Christ. Awesome time to remember of all that we have, all that we've been given as we're moving even closer to Christmas. Last week, uh, y'all remember, if you were here, we talked about cross-country Phil. Come on now. And, and you saw the picture in all of my 100-pound glory with my cross-country outfit on. And we talked about what it looks like to live a life of endurance, to run the race that's set before us. The just shall walk by faith. We talked about what it means to be able to endure difficult seasons of life, to be able to walk this life that God has called us to walk as sons and daughters. And just to recap that a bit, a couple things I said was three things that we highlighted of what it looks like to, to have endurance. I made the statement that endurance is the activity of life. We will need to endure through different seasons of life. All the seasoned saints in the house said amen. Like life is, is, is a struggle at times. It can be a challenge. The first thing that we need to do when we engage in this new life that we have in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. What do we do when we become a new creation? The first thing we need to do is we lay down our burdens. We talked about what it means to lay down the expectations that the world may place on us, the unrealistic expectations that we place on ourselves, condemnation that the world may place on us, which we know that all, anyone who is in Christ, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We lay down any of the shame that maybe has uh, plagued us in our past. We lay those things down can we, so we can effectively run the race of life. The second thing that we do is we embrace struggle. We embrace struggle, recognizing that, that, that God has saved us. He's called us to live a life that's pleasing to him, a life of abundance, a, a, a life that can be filled with joy and hope. But, but, but in this life, we will experience trial and tribulation. This is the way Jesus said it. But he said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. So we endure struggle. And the third thing that we do is we fix our eyes on Jesus, Hebrews 12. We fix our eyes on him, Jesus, who's gone before us, the one who has set this life in motion, what it means to be a son, what it means to be a daughter. We fix our eyes on him as he goes out and leads the way and prepares the way for our life. We also highlighted uh, Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, Apostle Paul writing to him and saying, hey, physical training is good, but training for godliness is better. It's an instruction to this young pastor. He said, yeah, that's great. Physical training is great, but training for godliness is better. And we just talked about what does that even look like? What does training for godliness look like? And I talked about spiritual disciplines, and we listed 12 different spiritual disciplines that are there that we can use to flex our spiritual muscles and strengthen ourselves so that we can walk this walk, run this race effectively. I was talking with one of my neighbors that, that I ran into, and she said, hey, thank you for the sermon. Pastor Phil, it was great. I was like, Man, praise God. I'm glad that the Lord spoke to you. He said, yeah, we actually, me and my husband, we put some of these spiritual disciplines to practice this week. And I said, that's amazing. Tell me about it. What, what have you guys done? She said, we rested in Jesus' name. I said, that's, that's good. They got three little kids. I was like, praise God. You Rest in Jesus' name. That's a spiritual discipline. So we talked about what it means to endure. <clears throat> Today, I want to talk about eternal life. And just that statement, just that thought, that, 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 that phrase, eternal life, there's a lot of places our heads can go with that. And believe me, as I, as I leaned in and I studied and, and just 
There's so many different directions we can go, but I believe that the Lord is wanting to show us what a, what a life of purpose, what a life of meaning looks like. And you know, how many know that we're living in a time where it's so heightened that people are just searching for the meaning of life? Come on now. We're living in a time where they're calling it the great resignation where people are just leaving their jobs and, and, and some of that, maybe they're leaving for a good reason and they, they, they're in a dead-end job or they just want to try something new and some of that is good. But some of that is just people that are searching and longing for something different, longing for something that will satisfy purpose, meaning of life. Reaching, reaching back into last week and kind of connecting it into this week, I, I wanted to give you a, a quote from Pastor Tim Keller. He says this, if your meaning for life is to maximize comfort and pleasure now, then suffering will destroy you because it destroys your meaning of life. It destroys your meaning of life. If your meaning is to maximize comfort, man, let me just tell the truth and shame the devil. I used to say, I just want to grow up and I just want to be comfortable. Come on, anybody say that? I don't need a lot of money. I just want to be comfortable. I just want, I just want everything to be comfortable. I want, I want to receive the things that I want. We, we even we put off that delayed gratification. We live in a culture that so desperately desires to have everything now. You have 16-year-old kids that are like, I want to be a millionaire. Like, okay, but like God allows us to experience things in our life for our benefit that at times look like a struggle, but we know that they're building meaning and they're building purpose. Amen? So I want to talk about eternal life, and I'm going to reach back to this point, but in the original translation, in the original language in the Greek, that word eternal means perpetual, like in perpetuity. It just means life that just keeps on giving, eternal life. In the arrival of Jesus, I'm so grateful. Listen, I'm so grateful that even at Christmas time, it's so important that we recognize the arrival of Jesus and the significance of that. Y'all, we're living in 2021, soon to be 2022. You want to know why we even call it 2020? The earth's been around longer than 2021 years. It's been around, but it's been established that year because it's the year of our Lord. 2021 years ago, it was such a life-changing moment for all of mankind that we changed the calendar and we said, before Christ, this is what life was. After Christ, this is what life is. Unfortunately, in the different school systems and what kids are being taught these days, it's like BCE. It's called like before common era. But how many know that Christ coming to this earth was a significant thing that took place? So much that it has shaped time. It has shaped eternity. The gospel of John, I had just read a scripture verse in there. John, the self-proclaimed one who Jesus loved. I love that. He, he, he refers himself to the one whom Jesus loved. I'm like, you little arrogant. But what a confidence he had. A man that was in closest proximity, a man that was the most intimate person that, that was with Jesus on this earth, the one whom Jesus loved. He gives us a picture of what eternal life looks like. Even we look at the different epistles in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, where he's Paul, uh, Paul that, that John is trying to encourage us, give us an idea of an assurance that we have an eternal life to provide clarity confidence and kind of give you the main point of this a gift given series the good news of Jesus coming to us this holiday season this Christmas season the good news of Jesus is God to me God indwelling me and God through me 
I just want to unpack that for just a minute. God to me, you know, so many other religious expressions are people going to their God. Christianity is the one where God says, no, 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 I'm coming to you. He says, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to take the first step. This is the good news is that we can't, we can't do this in our own strength. We can't live a life of fullness and purpose in our own strength. God recognized that, so he sent his son. He sent a representation of himself, packaged himself in humanity. He gave himself to us. So we receive God. We receive Jesus, and then God indwelling us. Quite literally, our spiritual DNA is altered and changed when we receive Jesus into our life, and we allow him to shape us. We allow him to form us. We understand and acknowledge his ways. And then God through me. And here's a point I just want to tell you is that everything that is given by God, everything given by God is to be multiplied and redistributed. Hey now, can I get a good amen right there? Everything that God gives us is not just for us. Everything that God gives us is that we would receive it. We can partake of it. We can enjoy it. But it's to be multiplied and distributed. I'm reminded of Jesus feeding the 5,000, what he did is he blessed the bread and he gave it to his disciples. As he gave it to his disciples, the bread was multiplied and then they distributed it. So this is the reality. This is the gift that's given to us in Jesus. And I want to highlight four things that you need to understand about eternal life. Some of you online, God has called you because maybe you've had a limited view and understanding on what eternal life is. We want to understand what the fullness of eternal life is and what that looks like. So here's the first point I want to tell you. Go ahead and get your notebooks ready. Get your phones ready. The first point is that eternal life is found exclusively in Jesus Christ alone. Hey, now, there's only one entry point, one password. His name is Jesus, 1 John 5, 11 through 12. I love John doesn't mince words here. He, he just says it like this. And this is the testimony. Turn to the person next to you and say, this is your testimony. This is your testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his son. And I love this statement. He just cuts, cuts right to the chase. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God, guess what? Ain't got no life. They don't have life. See, there are many ways to happiness. There are many ways to peace, temporary peace. But there is only one way to eternal life. Jesus, as he was getting ready to be betrayed, he made this statement. He said, I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And then he made this life-shattering statement. He said, nobody, no one, Everybody say no one. No one one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way. John 3, 13 through 16. I want to read this to you. And I'm going to pause in here. But no one has ascended, John uh, 3, 13 through 16. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven. The Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man 
be lifted up. No, no, John is, is, is reaching back to something that was happening with the Israelites. And I, and, and I felt like, we're not gonna have the scripture up there, but I wanna read it to you. The Lord brought me this morning, just highlighted that as John was trying to paint a picture of wh what it looked like for the Israelites and the responsibility of, of the Son of Man needing to be lifted up. This idea that, that, that he is the only way to eternal life. And I'm gonna read uh, Numbers chapter 21. And I'll start in verses five. I'll go down on through nine. It said, and the people spoke against God and Moses. You'll be reminded that God was leading his people out of bondage. He had led them into the wilderness. What should have been a 40-day journey turned into a 40-year journey. Oh, praise God, they got the scripture verse up there. All right, shout out to production team. Hey, now. Um, so, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness, God, Moses? For there is, no there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Like, that's some fighting words. <laughs> then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord, Moses, that he take away the serpents from us. Check this. So Moses prayed for the people. Hold on to that. And the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Two things he did. People all around him dying. People are in conflict. People are struggling. They're angry. It sounds a little familiar to like the world that we're living in today. In the middle of all of that, Moses does two things. He prays for, his, for, for the people. He prays for God's people. And he lifts up the name of the Lord. Hey, y'all, in 2021 with the last... The hell that's been unleashed on the earth. Here's our responsibilities as ambassadors like Moses, as representatives of God himself on this earth. A big part of our responsibility is to pray just like it was for Moses and to lift up the name of Jesus. To pray and to lift up the name of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the only name that can save. It's the only way to eternal life. Pray, not just rant on Facebook, hey now, like I guess if you got to do that, but stop and pray, lift up the name of Jesus. Stop and pray, lift up the name of Jesus. Next week, I have to do a memorial for a precious young woman who passed away in a tragic accident at, in her, I think, 26 years old. I don't know exactly what I'm going to say and what I'm going to do, but you know what I am going to do? I do know one thing. I'm going to pray for the people, and I'm going to lift up the name of Jesus. This is what we need. This is what, this is what God is longing for his children to do, that we would enact, that we would step out in the priestly anointing that he's given us, that intercessory anointing that he's placed on his children, to utilize that. And to be able to lift up the banner of Jesus. 
And I can just tell you, the heart for us here at Ocean Church is that we would pray that this would be a house of prayer, that the name of Jesus would always be lifted up. Somebody give a real good amen right there. Continuing on, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You like that little rap there? That was All right, praise God. So there's this song that we we share with our daughter, and that's how it goes. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This this idea shall not perish. And as as I'm studying about eternal life, I'm reading about hell and heaven and the third heaven and purgatory and great tribulation. There's so many places you can go, and even there's so much different discord and commentary on hell. But there's one consistent thought when it comes to hell or when it comes to death and physical death and what happens. There's one consistent thought for those that are not of of the faith is that death is simply and most importantly a separation from God. said that whoever believes in Jesus will never die, will not perish, will never be disconnected from God. They'll have eternal life. The second thing is that eternal life is the only thing that can satisfy the hungry and thirsty soul. Ooh, Lord, help me say this like you shared it with me. John 6, 35, the first verse we read, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. A great picture of this, a verse I'll share with you in John chapter 4, Jesus on a long journey stops in, passes in through Samaria, sits down at the well, tired from the journey, weary from the journey, and this Samaritan woman comes by the well to get water in the middle of the day. And by this time, the Jews and the Samaritans, they were like arch enemies, so you wouldn't see a Jewish man and a Samaritan man even talking much less a a, a Samaritan woman and a Jewish man. So God intersects this woman in her life who is longing for something of value, of substance. Jesus says to this woman, everyone who drinks of this water that's in this well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to what? Eternal life. The woman said to him, hook it up, Jesus. She didn't say it like that. She might have. She might have. Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. He speaks to this woman And and this woman was in a codependent place. You you can read on in the text to see that she had these relationships that she was trying to draw value. These relationships that she was trying to, that were trying to, she was expecting to give life to her. And Jesus meets her and says, hey, there are a lot of things that you can do. You You can drink, but it won't be, it won't satisfy you. But what I give you will satisfy you. And he says, and and what he gives her is, is eternal life, perpetual life. 
And many of us have heard the term like world hunger. You know, it's something, uh, you know, we, 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 we talk about. I remember the song back in the 80s, heal the world, make it a better place for you and for, you like my Michael Jackson voice? You and for me and the end time human race. But so, so hunger, we, we talk about hunger, we recognize hunger, but there's a term that's, that's, that's in our world now that's, that's, that's gaining a lot of notoriety, especially as just the, the economic divide just maybe continues to grow around the world. And it's this thought, this phrase, it's called food insecurity. Food insecurity, and a definition of that is the state of being without reliable access to a sufficient quantity of nutritious food. The USDA uh, defines it as this, the United States Department of Agriculture defines um, food insecurity as a lack of consistent access to enough food for an active, healthy lifestyle. As I continue to read about it, one of these, the, the, this, this, kind of, this next part just kind of stood out to me. The things that cause food insecurity, again, we're talking about Jesus being the only thing that can satisfy our hungry and thirsty souls the purpose that we want to experience. Three things that cause food insecurity. And there's such a parallel here. The first thing is lack of resources. And the next two just really stick out to me. The other two is drought and conflict. Famine and disagreement. Famine and discord. And you know, at one point in our history, it was a thing to pray in school. Hey now. It was a thing to, 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 to have the word of God in public spheres, in public arenas, in municipal offices. It was a thing. But there was a famine of that. There was a drought of the word of God. John said, begins his book like this. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. Go on down to verse 14, and it says, and the word put on flesh. Jesus put on flesh and dwelt among us. We're living in a time where there is a famine and an absence, the visible representation of God. And because of that, because of the conflict in our streets, the conflict on social media, the conflicts that are constantly in front of our face. And because of that, we have a generation of believers that are experiencing spiritual food insecurity. Believers that are experiencing it. Why? Because there are so many things that the world is placing in front of us to say, hey, this is what you need to feel satisfied. But those that have been bought and redeemed by Jesus, we know nothing else will do. Nothing else will satisfy. People are starving. Starving. We look across different inner cities of America. People are literally still are, are starving for food, and we put great emphasis on that. And I'm grateful that we as a church, that we do not forget about the poor, and we go and serve those that are less fortunate. I love that. But we also recognize, but there are those here I shared a statistic last week that the city manager in Estero shared with us, who's on a board for Lee Health, that in Southwest Florida, there is three times the national average of mental health issues. Three times. We got all the food. We got all the stuff. People are reaching for all the wrong things. Let this be a house where we always lift up the name of Jesus, knowing he's the only one that can save and satisfy the thirsty soul. Here's the third thing. Eternal life is a gift of God's grace. 
Hey, now, you didn't do anything for it. <laughs> Except believe. Believe, and you will receive. We didn't earn this. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, I like free gifts, the free gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord, this is the prize. We receive the gift of Jesus Christ as we unpackage him. We realize we got, oh, we got perpetual life. This is, this is the gift that keeps on giving. I, I remember there was a time in my life, it probably lasted longer than it should. Like I, I might have been a teenager and still wishing for this. But I have believed that there was a remote control that you can get. I used to love remote controls. I think I got this idea from like where in the world is Carmen San Diego. Hey now, uh, maybe dating myself a little bit. Uh, all the young adults are like, what is that? You can Google it. Like, just Google where in the world is Carmen San Diego. But I remember I used to have this thought, like, I wanted a remote. <laughs> I wanted to have a remote that you can just, you can get it, and you can just punch in what you want, and you can just get stuff to your house. Actually, they have Amazon app. That's what it's called now. They actually do have that already. So, uh, But I remember I was like, I want something. I want a gift that I can activate, and it'll just keep giving me more gifts. Come on now. Like, it, it just keeps on giving. And quite literally, Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving, a wellspring of life that does not run dry. It's a gift of God's grace that we receive this, and we've been invited to receive this gift of perpetual life. Here's a, the, the, the fourth point I want to make to you about eternal life, because when I say that, typically you think of heaven. But eternal life is for right now. Who? It's not just for when you die and go to heaven. Eternal life doesn't just speak to quantity of time. It speaks to the quality of life, that we can have life and have it more abundantly. 1 John 5, 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know, not that you will get eternal life, that you, are, that you have eternal life, that it's in you, that, that once you receive Jesus, you have eternal life. And many believers think that eternal life begins when we die, and that's partially true. It's when we die to ourself. <laughs> eternal life begins at salvation, present tense. And there are some of you, there are some people here that are going to make a decision, the Holy Spirit is already moving upon you, that you need to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. And there's an abundant life that God has for us. Many believers are just living to die, <laughs> hey now, rather than dying to live. That's like a song, I think, somewhere. I don't know, I heard it in a song. Many of us, we just, we're just getting through life. We think we're just, oh, I just need to scrape by and just get by, and, and uh, I just need to get by till the good by and by comes, and the Lord comes and takes me home. And we, you know, I've been in services where people are like, who's ready for Jesus to come and take us away? And everybody's like, yeah, woo, we, we want to get out of here. But Jesus brings us to a place of salvation. He gives us purpose so that we may receive and distribute what he gives us. We may receive eternal life. We may receive that which is eternal, not temporal. Money is temporal. Joy is eternal. A good name, Solomon says it like this, a good name is to be chosen more than choice riches. God, when he saves us, he gives us a good name. 
eternal life. God, God is not withholding heaven from you. <laughs> He's not waiting till you go to heaven to just enjoy life, to enjoy what you have. Yeah, I know life's tough. Think about this precious family that's experiencing this loss of this young life. It's not, it's not easy. But there are things that we have that we can be grateful for. Last verse I want to share with you, Jesus, he said it like this in John chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. He said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find safe pasture. He will go in, find safe pasture, and he'll leave, and he'll still find it. What's the difference there? We go in empty-handed, we go in with nothing, and we go in and Jesus fills us up with eternal life, that idea of pasture, spiritual security. We go into Jesus' presence, we experience spiritual security. When we leave from his presence, we experience spiritual security wherever we go. Why? Because he's indwelling us. And he's giving us the power to find safe pasture in the midst of craziness, chaos, discord, in the midst of family that's turning their back on you, in the midst of kids that are walking away from the Lord, in the middle of parents that are going home to be with the Lord, loved ones, spouses, in the middle of all of that, we still can see Jesus all around us. The translation for that word abundance just means all around, excessively all around. This is the hope that we have, that we can experience purpose and abundant life because of what Jesus offered us. So there's really two things. Some of you, you say, I, 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 don't, I don't have much to give. Jesus wants to give you eternal life. It's the, only thing that will, it's the only thing that will satisfy. The only thing that will give us eternal life. And then some of you are like, Brother Phil, I got eternal life. Good. I got it too. Woo. So what do you do with that? You give it. That what you get is to be multiplied and distributed. Bow your heads. Let me pray for you. If you're here today, I want to make just a statement. If you're here today and you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you say, I have been going to church, but I am not a disciple of Jesus. I've never fully accepted him as my Lord and Savior. Romans tells us we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and we believe in our hearts. We will be saved from eternal separation will be saved from death. So if that's you today and you just want to make that decision to follow Jesus, not just follow him, but to make him the Lord of your life, I want you to just in this moment, I'll count to three real quick. I want you to just lift your hand. One, two, three. Go ahead and just lift your hand if that's you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead. Lift that hand nice and high. Say, that's me. That's me. Thank you, Lord. I see those hands. I see that hand. Today is the day of salvation. Thank you, Lord. 
just pray this prayer with me if that's you. Just say, Lord, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that God raised you from the dead. So based on my confession and my belief, <laughs> I'm saved. I'm home. I don't have to run anymore. And for those of us that have received, Lord, help us to know all that we have in you, God, all that you've given us. God, not just the stuff, not just the clothes, not just the houses, not, not, not shoes, Lord, not things that'll perish in a flood, not things that would perish in a fire, but God, that which can never be taken from us in eternal hope, God, we thank you for it. Lord, I thank you for my friends that you're revealing to them in these times. You're disrupting our faith, God. You're stirring us as your people and your ambassadors here on earth to a place of oneness with you. You're calling us into relationship with you, your God. You're calling us into intimacy. So God, we say to you be the glory. This Christmas season, we say hallelujah. Thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. And we all said amen, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information or if you'd like to connect with us, visit oceanchurch.com. We love you and hope you join us soon online or at one of our campuses located in Southwest Florida.